Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Today's episode of the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Pella Windows and Doors. If you're ready to rock with that spring project with some new windows or some new doors, you can make it happen with Pella. You can go a couple of directions to get the ball rolling. You can schedule a free in-home consultation where you're going to get a Pella expert to come out to your home, discuss your budget, your wants, your needs, and they're going to put a fantastic game plan together that works for you. Or you can check out their showrooms in Lincoln and Omaha. Great place to get the ball rolling as well. Turn your window and door remodeling dreams into a reality with the good people at Pella. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Runza. Well, it is back the Reuben Runza is officially back at Runza. It's everything you love about a Reuben wrapped up inside the greatness of a Runza sandwich. Talking corned beef, Reuben sauce, sauerkraut, Swiss cheese, all inside the deliciousness of a Runza sandwich. So get out and take advantage of the new menu item. The Reuben Runza. Runza makes it all better. All right, here we go. Welcome back into the Nick Ba podcast, and it is a very special edition of the Nick Ba podcast. I am recording this. It is about noon on Friday, March 18th. Last night, Creighton beat San Diego State in what was one of the more improbable come-from-behind victories that I have witnessed, uh, given the stage, given the scenario, given the opponent. It's amazing that the sun came up today in Fort Worth, Texas, and that Creighton is still alive in the NCAA tournament. And it's going to set up what is a pretty exciting matchup in the second round with a trip to the Sweet 16. Uh, it, it used to be kind of a running joke over the course of the last 10, 12 years on uh, you know, what if, what if Creighton and Kansas played each other in the NCAA tournament? And it is, it's happening. It is happening for me. Saturday afternoon, Fort Worth, Texas. It's Creighton. It's Kansas. A trip to the Sweet 16 on the line. And, you know, it's funny. I actually I ran into Coach Self at, uh, at, at Kansas's open practice on Wednesday, and he jokingly said, hey, man, he, he's like, hey, Nick, Nick, did the committee put this, this part of the bracket just for you, bud? Jeez. <laughs> and I laugh because it's exciting, right? I mean, having played at Kansas for two years, been at Creighton for, for the, then finished my career at Creighton, I've, I've gotten flooded with tweets and text messages from people calling this the Nick Baugh Bowl, which is, which is you know, it's fun. It's, it, it is very, very fun that this matchup is happening, man. It, it, these are two programs that you know I've poured blood sweat and tears into into both you know these are two programs that I'm still close with uh I played for Bill Self I didn't play for Greg McDermott I played for Dana Altman but I have I've I've known and been close to Greg McDermott for going on now 12 years he's a guy that that I consider one of my good friends and and listen man I'd run through a wall for Bill Self like I I would I would run through a wall for that man and you know it's it's interesting even though I, I transferred 
because uh, there's so many people like whenever you transfer from a place, there's this assumption that like, ooh, bad blood. You hated it there. You 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 and the coach not on good terms. Not at all. Like I, it had nothing. My my decision to leave Kansas. It had nothing to do with Bill Self. It had nothing to do with Kansas. I loved it there. I loved playing for Bill Self. Uh, I know I've talked about this a million times, but given this matchup and and the, the, the Nick Ball Bowl is happening here, I kind of got to reset some of the stuff here. It just came down to playing time for me, right? Like after my sophomore year at Kansas, I kind of had to I I had to ask myself the question of okay, it, I I can stay at Kansas, and if if my career ends and I never played, like I wasn't a starter, I didn't have a consistent role, I didn't play consistently, would I be okay with that? Would I be okay with that? And to me, the the answer to that question was just no. Like, you, you you can't lie to yourself. You know those questions you ask yourself, that internal monologue, that that feeling in your stomach? Like, I knew the answer to that question. My The answer to that question was no. So I felt like I had to to find a place that gave me the best chance to, to, to get on the floor and to play. And that is what led me away from, from Lawrence, Kansas. It had nothing to do with Bill Self. It had nothing to do with with being being in Lawrence, Kansas and being a Kansas Jayhawk. I mean, leaving KU is one of the hardest decisions I've ever made in my life. I mean, Kansas was my dream school. Kirk Heinrich is my all-time favorite college basketball player. Hell, I remember the date of the first game I ever saw at Allen Fieldhouse. It was December 21st, 2002, Kansas-UCLA. I was there on a recruiting visit, and I just fell in love with the place. I remember this was back in the day in VHS tapes. So, shouts out to everybody that had VCRs and all that. So, me and my high school coach, Jeff Smith, it, early on in my junior year, we put two or three of my best games and and on a VHS tape, and we made a list of about 15 schools, and we sent the tapes out, just hoping, you know, I mean, shoot, Duke and, and Kentucky and all that, you know, like, you're just like, all right, let's just see what happens. And this was before, you know, the the days of being able to stream games and all that stuff, and so I, I, I sent tapes out and one of the one of the tapes that I sent out was to Kansas and one of the basically the only school that really got back to me that that was that liked the tape was was Roy Williams and Joe Holiday and KU and they started recruiting me and about a about a week 10 days after they started recruiting me they they invited me on an unofficial visit to come to that game Kansas UCLA and I just I couldn't believe it I'm sitting right behind the bench I'm in Allen Fieldhouse and I'm like oh my god the oh my god <laughs> like just anybody that's been to a game at Allen Fieldhouse understands what that what that place is like and so it, it was it, just to give you a sense of just how much th- this was my dream school you know and What's interesting is, like I said, even though I was recruited and committed to to Roy Williams, and then Roy leaves and goes to Carolina, and then in comes Bill Self. Bill Self was was amazing to me, and he was amazing to play for. And what he's done at Kansas, his record speaks for itself. He's got more Big Twelve regular season conference championships than he does home losses at Allen Fieldhouse, right? Two Final Fours, or three Final Fours, excuse me. He's got a national championship. I mean, it's just his record speaks for itself. But what 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 makes Bill Self, I mean, he he's one of those guys like we know about how amazing he is a, as a as a coach. But what, who he is as a person to me specifically is is what sets him apart. Like he, when you think about Coach Self, he could have been done with me the day after I transferred. He could have been like, all right, Nick, I'm done with that guy. I'm not going to return his calls. I have no interest in this guy. I mean, I I left him. Like I I transferred away from him. 
and he is he Bill Self has always welcomed me back to to Lawrence, Kansas and to KU with open arms. He's always made me feel like I'm a part of the Kansas basketball family. I mean, the guy invited me to the to his Naismith Hall of Fame induction ceremony. He, I couldn't believe when I got that letter in the mail. I was I almost fell over. And so, of course, I was there, got to celebrate with him when he got inducted into the Hall of Fame. And then even, you know, like when I had my, when I had my health issues in 2016, I had two strokes in my cerebellum and I had a, a tumor in my thymus gland, a tumor in my chest that had to get removed. Thankfully, it wasn't cancer, but I had a massive health scare. And Bill Self was, was one of the guys. He called me and checked on me all the time. Simply put, I love that man. I love that man. I love Kansas basketball. And, you know, what's even cool, what makes the Kansas situation for me now even cooler is you look at the three assistant coaches for, for Kansas. Norm Roberts is one of the assistant coaches. He was an assistant when I was there. Curtis Townsend, he was an assistant when I was playing. And then Jeremy Case, we were in the same freshman class. We came in together. He, he was my best friend at KU. I remember the day I moved into the Jayhawk Towers, the second I got my stuff unpacked, I walked down the hall on, on the third floor of Jack Towers, knocked on the door to, to introduce myself to Jeremy Case, and we then spent the, you know, the, the next two years together. So it's, just, it's, it's pretty cool for me, like being almost 20 years removed from being a player at Kansas, and just the fact that it still feels the same to me. A lot of the same people are there. And then with Creighton, anyone that, that knows me and knows my connection and relationship with them. I mean, I feel so much pride when, when I get announced as when I'm calling games on TV alongside former Creighton Blue Jay Nick Ball. Like I, I, there's a lot of pride in that. And, and with Creighton, I got to Omaha in the summer of 2005. And so I spent one year as a redshirt at Creighton, two years playing at Creighton. And then I had one year as a graduate assistant coach with Dana Altman at Creighton. And I've basically been Creighton's radio analyst since 2008. So going on 14 years. Now, I can't do every game anymore because of my, my Fox television duties where I'm, I'm traveling around Big East and Big Ten country calling, calling games. But, but when I can, when, when it fits in my schedule, I, I always slide over and I'm, I'm on the radio call for Creighton. That's why I'm in Fort Worth, Texas as we speak, as I'm recording this, because I am I'm doing the game for Creighton Radio. So, I mean, basically, I've, I've invested the better part of 17 years of my life to Creighton basketball in a variety of ways. And to watch this program go to where, grow to where it's at today, from the Missouri Valley Conference to the Big East, to winning a Big East title, having the second most conference wins since the new Big East started, getting to the Sweet 16 last year, having a front row seat to watching one of the greatest college careers ever unfold with Doug McDermott, three-time All-American, 3,000-point scorer. It's just been incredible. It's been, it was a joy. I was able to, to, to be a part of the Creighton Hall of Fame ceremonies for Kyle Korver up on stage with him, Dana Altman up on stage with him, Doug McDermott up on stage with him. So I, I, just, I feel like I've, I've been fortunate and blessed with being around Creighton basketball and its ascension over the course of the last 17, 18 years. And it's been really fun to, over the course of the last 12 years to watch a guy who I think is just an incredible coach in Greg McDermott take this program, navigate it up a level from the Valley to the Big East and have it be flourishing to the way it's at, to, to where it's at. I mean, I just, I'm one of those guys, I remember, I remember getting five bucks to go eat an Arby's roast beef sandwich at Evansville. 
and now Creighton is playing Villanova for the Big East title inside Madison Square Garden and getting ready to play Kansas to go to the Sweet 16. Like, it's been uh, it's been quite a ride and quite a road for Creighton basketball. And that road leads us to now, today, 2022, NCAA tournament, second round, Fort Worth, Texas, one seed KU, nine seed Creighton. Few quick thoughts on on this game. I got some thoughts. I got some questions. I got some keys uh, because I've done Kansas four times on on television uh, on, on the Jayhawk Network, the ESPN Plus. I, I did their exhibition game, uh, Stony Brook. I did Nevada. I did George Mason. I have I have seen Kansas four times up close and personal, and obviously watched them a bunch on TV. Same thing with Creighton. I've done them a million times on TV this year. I know them extremely well. The Nick My Podcast is powered by Runza New Menu Item Alert. It's back. The Reuben Runza is officially back at Runza. It is everything you love about a Reuben wrapped up inside the greatness of a Runza sandwich. Talking corned beef, Reuben sauce, sauerkraut, Swiss cheese, all inside the deliciousness of a Runza sandwich. So you need to drop everything you're doing and head out to Runza and get your Reuben Runza game right. My dad, Rich Baugh, he approves. Big Reuben Runza fan. So get like my dad and get a Reuben Runza today. You can even order it in the app. Go to the App Store, download the Runza app. You can order a Reuben Runza. You can earn rewards, by the way, and have a delicious Reuben Runza waiting for you at the restaurant where you skip the line and get right to getting your grub on. Again, new menu item alert. The Reuben Runza is back. Runza makes it all better. Let's start with with Creighton when we kind of size up this game because the peculiar nature of this game and the difficult nature of trying to size up the game stems from Creighton given what unfolded in their first round game. Creighton is a mash unit right now. Four weeks ago, they lost their starting point guard in Big East freshman of the year, Ryan Nemhard. They've navigated that with playing a converted combo guard, two guard, Trey Alexander at the point, and he's been really, really good, but nevertheless – it's they're, they're a, they've had to really kind of change some things given the fact that they lost their starting point guard. And then last night, Ryan Kalkbrenner goes down late in the game with a knee injury. Now, again, as I'm taping this, the, the official word on the extent of the injury hasn't been announced, but it, it didn't look good. And I think saying that, it's, that, that Ryan Kalkbrenner is likely not going to play feels like a, a safe thing to say, right? I mean, he was in a... I think that he was in a wheelchair for a little bit last night in the in the Creighton locker room. So listen, you never know until you get that MRI. Maybe it, you, you know who knows. I, I would say it, it looks like it's more likely than not that that Creighton will be without Ryan Kalkbrenner. But I don't. I'm. I can't. He's not been officially ruled out. Again, as I'm taping this, so Creighton's going to be likely without its true point guard, and then without its incredible rim protector center in Ryan Kalkbrenner. So Creighton will be down to basically six guys. Six. And they'll only have one true center. And the thing about Kalkbrenner's potential absence is it really, really torpedoes what had made Creighton special this year and what has gotten Creighton to this point this year, and that's their defense. After last night's win over San Diego State, Creighton now ranks 16th in the country in Ken Palm's defensive efficiency ranking. That's almost, just to put it, that's almost 10 spots better than, than Kansas for comparison. Like, and that defensive ability was all due to Ryan Kalkbrenner. 
Creighton's whole defensive plan was centered around that guy. They just plant seven foot one Ryan Kalkbrenner right kind of in the middle of the lane. They'd run drop coverage and ball screens, and they'd kind of just funnel everything to him. And Kalkbrenner would either block, alter, or deter everything around the tent. It was so. It's been so hard to score on Creighton inside the lane. They're top ten in the country in two point field goal percentage, and that's all Kalkbrenner. That is all Ryan Kalkbrenner. And so, with him potentially out, it's hard for me to even project what Creighton's going to look like. Because think of, one of the reasons it's hard is because Kalkbrenner was, one of the things that made him so special as a shot blocker and as a big guy is he didn't foul. So he, he was on the floor all the time. The last 10 games for Creighton, he's averaging 34 minutes a game. So he's been rarely off the floor. So defensively, Creighton, they haven't had to operate with him off the floor very much. And again, like I said, everything everything Creighton does is centered around him and his shot-blocking ability. So if Ryan Kalkbrenner doesn't play, what the hell Creighton does defensively is, is a giant question mark and will be fascinating. And so if Kalkbrenner is out, Keyshawn Fizel is going to step in. And I will say this to everybody, to, to the Kansas fans that are that are listening to this or whoever. Keyshawn Fizel is way better than you think he is. And Keyshawn Fizel is way better than his numbers and production would indicate. A big part of the reason Keyshawn Fizel hasn't played more is, is about Kalkbrenner's rise and how incredible he's been. He's the Big East Defensive Player of the Year. It's more about Kalkbrenner than it is anything with Keyshawn Fizel himself and his struggles or something like that, right? He's, it's, it's interesting. With Fizel, he's a totally different player than Kalkbrenner. He's obviously not as tall. He's only 6'9 compared to 7'1 for Kalkbrenner. But Fizel is mobile. With Kalkbrenner, like I said, it was drop coverage on ball screens, meaning they're not going to get out there and, and hedge those ball screens. They're gonna, they, which is Kalkbrenner would sit back, not get extended past 15 feet. With Keyshawn Fizel, he he affords you a little bit more options with what you can do in some ball screen coverages where they can hard hedge, they can trap, they can even switch some. So the question becomes, okay, how does how does Creighton kind of recalibrate its defensive approach? Do they want to get aggressive with Keyshawn Fizel? Do they because the, the concerning thing about that is sometimes aggression can lead to fouling. And that's going to be a huge part of this game. So let's get to what I see as some big components and parts to this game. Just kind of wrote down some keys, some thoughts, some questions with this. Number one, fouls. Given Creighton's shorthanded rotation, staying out of foul trouble is going to be massively important. Again, Creighton basically, they're going to play six guys. So they can't afford foul trouble at all. And when you look at Kansas... It's going to be that plays right into Kansas's strengths in terms of exploiting this potential issue for Creighton. If I'm Bill Self, and listen, Creighton already, or excuse me, Kansas already does this naturally with what they do offensively. I am pounding the ball inside to David McCormick, pounding it. Creighton has one legit center on their roster for this game. You get Keyshawn Fizel into foul trouble, Creighton is in trouble. Now, Kansas naturally does a good job of putting constant pressure on your post defense. It is, it is four round one, and these posts 
are really wrestling constantly for post position, trying to kind of root you up the floor for throwovers to the corner of the backboard for layups. Anybody that watches Kansas knows exactly what I'm talking about. It's a different kind of a team. You know, some some post players you play against, they'll they'll it, it they're they're wrestling for post position will be in spurts. So they'll hang, they'll hang, they'll hang. Then they'll try to duck in, and it's a it's a it's a quick it's a quick wrestling match, and then they disengage. And then they maybe observe and watch the ball, and then they're going to duck it. McCormick, Mitch Lightfoot, those guys are, are really – they're constantly leaning on you. Sometimes they're going block to block. Now, sometimes they are sprinting out to a ball screen and then rolling and then putting a body on you. But it's more, it's more constant in terms of the way Kansas posts up, which, again, when you're constantly banging, you're constantly – potentially drawing a foul. And so if if I'm Bill Self, I'm telling David McCormick and Mitch Lightfoot, you guys need to be heat-seeking missiles in trying to post up and and demand the ball. And demand the ball. And then the same goes for Kansas, for, for the guards for Kansas. Coach Self loves to get that ball moving side to side, get it reversed, and then Ochai Abaji, Christian Brown, Dewan Harris, Remy Martin, even Jalen Wilson at that four spot, they get going downhill into the lane, driving the ball. Well, they'll, you know, it'll be hit, hit, hit. Here comes Ochai Abaji downhill down the lane line, putting pressure on the defense. If I'm Kansas, you you have to you have such a depth advantage and also understanding that that Creighton probably doesn't want to foul you have to put relentless pressure on Creighton attacking the paint via the drive and via the post up via the drive off the bounce and the post up the one thing that Creighton can't afford is foul trouble now if you are if you're trying to look at at something positive for Creighton the one thing Creighton has typically been really good at throughout this entire year is playing defense without fouling. They've they've been outstanding at that. That will be tested in a major, major way. The next kind of key in thought to me is just the the element of surprise, kind of what I was talking about with with Kalkbrenner potentially being out of this game. And with Creighton being so shorthanded with basically only having six guys in their rotation – Will Greg McDermott have something unique, something new, or something different up his sleeve? Maybe throwing some zone out there. Uh, maybe some junk defense. Maybe you box in one Ochai Abaji, for example. Chase him everywhere, face guard him. The other four guys just kind of zone up. Maybe there are times where Creighton just sells out to playing small and switching everything. You, you put Arthur Kaluma and Hawkins at the four and the five, for instance, and you, and you go small and you switch all the screens and just try to be unique in that regard, which would maybe force Kansas to have to play Jalen Wilson at the five. And now all of a sudden wrestling for post position isn't quite as big of a, of a, of a problem. I don't know. What, what, all I know is when you potentially lose the foundation to your entire defense in Ryan Kalkbrenner, and, and only basically have six players, you're probably going to have to get a little creative. It's just, I guess, what, what's hard is at this stage of the season, it's hard to completely reinvent who you are. But I also think like it's hard for me to sit there and go, okay, yep, just go ahead and keep on doing what you're doing, Creighton. Eh. I just, so I don't know. I, I wonder, I do wonder 
if Creighton will have some sort of wrinkle to throw out there given the situation. We'll see. Next key is going to be transition offense for Kansas. When, when I watch Kansas play, when I study them on film, when I've called their games, where Kansas is really dangerous, in my opinion, is when they are running. When, when Because oftentimes they're playing four-guard lineups. Again, even when you go Jalen Wilson at the five, I mean, you're talking about a lethal five, a five-man lineup being able to sprint it up the floor. Ochai Abaji is so good at finding threes in transition. Dewan Harris really kicks the ball ahead well. Jalen Wilson is one of the best in the country at grabbing a rebound and pushing it himself on the break, which is such a hard thing to stop. Kansas is just awesome in the open floor. Christian Brown's really good at attacking the basket in the open floor. So to me, given the strength of Kansas with with the depth issues for Creighton, to me, Kansas has to have their foot on the gas the whole game. Push it, push it, push it, run, run, run. And obviously, if you're Creighton, your urgency sprinting back has to be really high. You got to take good shots so your transition defense is set. If Trey Alexander, he likes to drive. When he drives, if, you know, Kaluma and O'Connell and those guys, you got to be rotating back for defensive balance. And obviously, Creighton's got to have great a, a great urgency in finding Ochayabaji, getting into his body right away and not letting him kind of walk into easy threes in the open floor. I think transition is going to be huge. Fast break points, pushing it, Creighton getting back defensively, and Kansas looking to really, 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 really run it up Creighton's you-know-what. The Dick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors, and I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go onto Pella's website right now, you look at it, and how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors by Pella won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big-time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low-E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. They got triple-pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. The next key is going to be turnovers. You know, Creighton all year has been really, really turnover prone. They, Creighton led the Big East in turnovers per game. When you look at a lot of Creighton's losses, one of the common threads is they turn that thing over a lot. Turn, Creighton turned it over 20 times against San Diego State and somehow won the game. I'd imagine Coach Self is going to have Kansas ready to pin their ears back and come after Creighton's ball handlers, especially Dewan Harris, Remy Martin, Joseph Yesifu. Like those guys need to attack and really get after Trey Alexander and Roddy Andronikashvili, the the other ball handler for for Creighton. Turnovers is going to be huge. Kansas has been when they want they're again when they they know how to play small, they can switch screens. They they can really get after you. If I'm if I'm Kansas, I'm looking to heat up Creighton. And if you're Creighton, you got to be ready to you got to be ready to answer the bell and handle the ball. Because what you, what if Kansas is turning the ball over, or if Kansas is forcing turnovers and they're getting out and they're pick six live turnovers, forget about it. Just pack, just punch the ticket to the Sweet Sixteen for the Jayhawks. And then you know, in in these kinds of games, you think about the stars and the X factors. 
and to me, the stars, you're talking about Ochai Abaji and Ryan Hawkins. Now, they won't guard each other, but I'm pointing them out because they are the studs. They are the stars for their teams. Ochai Abaji's an All-American. It's incredible the season he's had. I'd imagine Alex O'Connell will probably be the matchup on Ochai Abaji. And Ochai Abaji is a load, man. He is a load. And what's amazing and what impresses me the most about watching Ochai Abaji is, is his shot selection. He never takes a bad shot. He has he has this Ochai has this great balance of trusting his teammates and trusting his coaches to get him shots, to screen for him, to look for him, to run sets for him. So he, he's got great trust and patience in that regard, but he balances it with relentless aggression to score. He's he's sprinting the floor looking for threes. He's coming off pin downs look, looking to curl in there and hit a 15-footer. He's coming off handoffs getting downhill looking to, to, to get in the lane and make stuff happen. He's coming out of that corner. How many times have Kansas fans know this? You see him in the corner. He back cuts for a lob. Like the, dude, dude is relentless to try to score the ball, but he takes the right shots. Sometimes that relentless aggression – can be at odds with trusting your teammates and having patience to take the good shots. He has just wed those two things perfectly. And then for for Creighton, Creighton goes as Ryan Hawkins goes, period. The Division II transfer has had just an incredible season. And you you look at at the the numbers indicated. Overall this season, in Creighton's wins, Ryan Hawkins averages 15.4 points per game. In the losses, he averages nine points per game. And it's even in conference play, which is probably a more uh, probably a better indicator because you're dealing, you know, you're you're dealing with with better competition. In conference play, in the wins. Ryan Hawkins is averaging about 16 points per game. In the losses, he's averaging about seven points per game. So it's Creighton's success is tied to Ryan Hawkins' success. I'd imagine Jalen Wilson will draw that assignment. And on paper, I think Jalen Wilson matches up pretty well with, with Hawkins. Similar sizes. Wilson's a, a very fleet of foot mobile guy for his size. He can defend in the post. He can get drug out in the perimeter, and he's comfortable there. But Hawkins is a hard matchup, man. He runs the floor hard. He's got a knack for scoring in a variety of ways. He can score this back to the basket. He can shoot threes. So Hawkins is the stud for Creighton. We'll see if if Wilson can slow him down. Studs got to be studs in these kinds of games. And then the X factors. The X factor for Kansas to me is Remy Martin. Tell you what, man, this guy been an interesting year for Remy Martin I mean you're talking about a guy that was he led the Pac-12 in scoring at Arizona State he comes to Kansas he's the he was the preseason Big 12 player of the year and he's had an interesting year he he's uh he's dealt with a knee injury that has kept him out of the lineup and it's I think he's kind of struggled to to kind of maybe uh shed his Arizona State ways and fit into what Bill Self wants him to be I mean you got to be if you being tough and playing defense and, and making the right basketball play is non-negotiable if you want to play for, for, for Bill Self. And I think Remy Martin has had to kind of relearn how he goes about doing things. But listen, Remy Martin is really talented. You don't average 19 a game or 20 a game, whatever it was at Arizona State, if you, if you don't got talent. And what's interesting is all of a sudden, Remy Martin now, after not scoring in double figures since December 18th, Remy Martin has now had three straight games of double-figure scoring outputs. 
Again, he's nursed a knee injury, which has slowed him down and kept him out of the lineup. But it it almost looks like the the light is might be coming on for him at, with KU, which is a huge. I mean, you bring him off the bench, you're bringing a guy that could go get you 15, 20 off the bench. That's a that's a big big piece to bring off the bench. Then the X factor for Creighton to me has got to be Alex O'Connell. You, you need him both ends of the floor. You, like I said, I think he'll guard Ochai Abaji. You need his defense on Abaji. And then he's the one Blue Jay other than Hawkins that could go out and make five or six threes in a game. So you need his shot making. You need his defense. And then the other thing is that Creighton's going to need his defensive rebounding as well. Without Kalkbrenner, it's got to have to be at all hands on deck. Uh group effort in trying to rebound the ball, and you're going to need O'Connell, who's a pretty good defensive rebounder, to really do a good job. He's going to have to have seven, eight rebounds against Kansas. So there you go. That That's how the – that's kind of how I'm seeing it, just kind of the abbreviated version of, of previewing this thing. You know, in terms of a prediction, listen, it's hard to not pick Kansas in this game. I mean, it, the spread is 10 or 11 points for a reason. Kansas is Kansas. They're the one seed. They won the Big 12. They won the Big 12 tournament. And and Creighton, who's who's been a dangerous team, but they're they're already depleted with injuries, and they might have another huge blow if Kalkbrenner is out, which is the anchor of their defense, which is the the anchor of their entire team and what makes them tough. Now I will say this Creighton does have something special with it with finding a way to win. They've been pretty good in close games. They've they've won a ton of close games. And the, the beauty of March is you just never know. You just never know. St. Peter's beating Kentucky. You just never know. Both coaches will have these teams ready to rock. Both players will be or both teams' players will be ready to rock. I can't wait, man. I can't wait. Kansas. Great trip to the Sweet 16 on the line. Let's go. Rock Chalk and Coach A. A Huda Media Production.